0: Hey guys, Jason Davis here Uh, with everything that's going on out there in culture, in the school system, especially the public school system, right? And drag shows and everything in between, our kids are under attack daily. And that's why I wanted to tell you today about the Tuttle Twins books. Tuttle Twins is really, it's the only books uh, that I know of for kids that really help them develop critical thinking skills about real world concepts, economies, finance, government, freedom, liberty, the free market, how to be self-reliant and outside the system. Right now, we just all have to recognize the world's full of companies and people and politicians that want to expose and influence our kids and ideas that we don't support. And so that includes school teachers, unfortunately. So Tuttle Twins empowers parents. I encourage you to check them out at tuttletwins.com. Or if you go to my website at DontTreadOnLiberty.com and go to Freedom Partners under Tuttle Twins, there is a special offer for you. So DontTreadOnLiberty.com under Freedom Partners, check out the Tuttle Twins, and we do have a special offer for you. Well, let's get back to the show. I hope you enjoy this week. God bless. Fighting back against the left's non-stop attacks on liberty, freedom, and America. America. This is Don't Tread on Liberty. Jason Davis is on the air. Hey, welcome back to Don't Tread on Liberty. Thanks for being here. I'm Jason Davis. And I've um, been hearing a lot about racial injustice, equity. You've heard that. Um, systemic racism that's another one joe biden's speech last night he kind of doubled down on this Mm -hmm. a little bit so i kind of want to talk about it uh bring in a friend of mine this is eric from the free minds podcast uh, on spotify eric thanks for being here how are you
1: i am doing very well sir and uh, thank you very much for having me on the show
0: hey thanks for being had so i wanted to have you on and you know i hate that this has to be a thing but obviously you're an african-american right and um A lot of talk. Yeah. Yeah, And a lot of talk has been made about how unfair America is to African Americans. So of course. Yeah. Well, I mean, who better to talk to than an African American? And and you do your own podcast show where you talk about current events, politics, and other things. So you're very well versed on what is going on. And I thought you'd be an ideal candidate for this discussion. So did you catch did you catch Sleepy Joe's speech last night?
1: Uh I think I did what most Americans did. And if they watched any part of it at all, they just kind of watched some highlights on YouTube. Um, Cause even Ted Cruz, you know, so the thing Ted Cruz is falling asleep watching Joe Biden speak. Cause he, he has no, he has no verve, no vigor, no real candor. He's just a puppet placeholder president. So, I mean, nothing he's saying is uh, important really. I mean, it's important in the sense that he's slowly destroying America, but he's not going to tell you that in a speech. So it's like,
0: yeah, Exactly, I don't
1: and bother paying that much attention. Um, <laughs> exactly, yeah.
0: and and um, before we get too too deep into this, Eric, I mean, I really hope that uh, your podcast, your show, doesn't get canceled because they might they might call you a racist after this interview.
1: They'll probably call me Uncle Tom, <laughs> like they've been doing to uh, Tim Scott. Like they were on Twitter yesterday. Twitter actually let what was it Uncle Tim was trending all day because leftists. We're using racial slurs against a black sitting congressperson. And, you know, mm-hmm. Twitter's in the bag for the leftists. So that's how that works.
0: Yep, yeah, exactly. So Biden opens the night last night and he's talking about uh, terrorism. And uh, he goes through, you know, naming off some Islamic terror groups and things like that. But then he wraps it all up at the mm-hmm. end with uh, how we can't ignore uh, white supremacist extremism and we will confront that head on so you uh being an african-american i mean i like so i don't know any white supremacists
1: do you i don't actually i do just not personally um it's my own personal belief that wokeness is actually white supremacy 2.0 um it's sort of a sort of convoluted. But if you think about it, I mean, the whole idea is that no black person can ever hope to be equal to a white person, regardless of whatever they achieve.
0: (laughs) So they need all that. I mean, if you
1: really think about it, like Barack Obama, right? Well, I mean, if you talk to someone who's, you know, indoctrinated into the idea of the ideas of the left, to them, Barack Obama is oppressed, and a white homeless person living under a bridge is his oppressor. And there's no way you can convince them otherwise. They just decided that White people are superior and because of that, they must be castigated and torn down. And black people are uncapable idiots who don't know any better. And the only way black people can hope to achieve anything is through the help of the ever moral white liberals. And I mean, I don't think there's a lot of people that think that this is kind of something I came up with on my own, just of my own observations, but actual white supremacists, I don't know any. Yeah. And I, and um, I, and I don't either. And if, and if I do know any, they're, they're. Yeah. And I
0: yeah, don't either. I mean, either. And not a and real mean thing. Uh, I mean, I don't either. And I, I, assu- you know, I know they're out there. Okay. Like I know yeah, there's, there's probably like
1: 138 guys somewhere that yeah, really, really I mean, don't there's, like black people.
0: You know, there's some uh, straggling uh, clan members in Arkansas or something um, that are so far mm-hmm. underground, sure. they don't even come out and show their faces. So, right. They don't have any
1: institutional power.
0: No, not at all. And um, so, you know, but the media is pushing the narrative. They're all in on this, um, which gives Biden, you know, which gives the government and Biden more credibility. So, you know, they make a thing about like with the Capitol protest where, um, uh, you know, police let people in and I saw them literally
1: opening doors,
0: they're opening doors, letting people go by,
1: Um,
0: you know. One person got killed. That was the girl that was trying to come through a locked window, and the cop shot her in the throat right through the window, even though she was unarmed. That was uh she Ash- actually
1: just peeked. She yeah. really just I, I saw the video on YouTube. She literally just peeked over like the let where the where the window starts. She just kind of peeked her head in and just immediately got shot. She wasn't even pushing the door, she wasn't doing anything. I actually, wow. saw her executed live on Twitter. It was kind of crazy.
0: Yeah, and uh she was a veteran and you know a patriot. And of course, and of course she was unarmed. So um, if she had been African-American, I'm sure the officer would have been charged, but he was not. They actually uh, dropped all, uh, they dropped the investigation last week. Anyway, um, they make a thing about uh, some of these people that were supposedly there. Um, The Oath Keepers got featured on 60 Minutes last week. Now Now the Oath Keepers... Is an organization. This is an organization made up of retired police and military personnel, and they're branding them as white supremacists. I, cool. I'm I don't even know where to begin. I mean, do you have any thoughts on that?
1: I do. And I'm, I'm really glad you brought this up. Um, the episode I'm working on for my podcast at this exact moment is uh the cult of the woke and in it i literally just went online i looked up a list of traits that are representative of cults throughout history and just compared that to the left that's literally all i'm doing in this episode and it is it's like 17 out of 19 things on that list is perfectly describing the woke cult it's it's unbelievable um they change words to have new meanings and new definitions. Like they change the word racist so that they can be racist and call others racist. So racist now means you have to be a white person who has some modicum of power over others, where to them, if you're white, you're automatically the most powerful thing in the universe. So you automatically have power over others. So it's like, if you're not, uh, if you're not in the cult, racist is just the word they use against you. A oh, White supremacy is just a—it's just their their signal word to each other. Don't listen to that person. He's not in the cult. He doesn't speak the right words. He doesn't follow the right principles. He's one of the bad people. Uh, you have to understand. They literally change English. They change ideas. They invert everything that they touch. Um, to them, women getting abortions is. Is, is standing up for, for rights. like To, to them, have Joe Biden's policies of inviting children to come wandering through the desert with no food and no clothes and no protection against the elements, that's a good moral thing to them. You have to understand these people, they've had their, their principles completely inverted. They've been completely deranged by the media. They've had their minds turned completely inside out. So when you see them talk, about police officers and soldiers that risk their lives on a daily basis for them and their rights to castigate these officers what they're really they're just saying those people are bad they're not in the cult they're not one of us and they have exalted themselves above everyone else that isn't in the cult that's it's the most basic it's it's the, it's the best way i can describe it they, they've changed what the meanings of words so when you hear them talk, you're interpreting words, you know, like a normal, sane person. When they're interpreting, all these words have different meanings, and we can't, we can't even communicate anymore because it's like using two different lexicons.
0: Yeah, and and it seems to me that uh, this all basically stems. I mean they they took advantage of situations, but this all stems from the highly publicized, very few police encounters. Um, with African-Americans that have occurred over the last, I don't know, four or five years. Okay. Sure. Because, because Black Lives Matter basically started after the Trayvon Under Martin Obama. shooting. Okay. Yeah. Um, so this is all coming from these police encounters, which is why now every time there's an altercation involving a police officer, it's very highly publicized. Now, yep. since that is the case, uh, I did a little research and um, the Washington post actually, which is a very far left leaning paper uh, maintains a database. Yeah,
1: it's a leftist right.
0: Yeah. They maintain a database of all police fatal shootings and they started doing this in 2015. That's right. Okay. Now in uh, 2020 last year, there were 18 African-Americans shot by police that were unarmed, okay? The year before that, in 19, there were 12. Right. Um,
1: Can I just make a quick point real quick? Yeah. Uh, In in 2019, it was actually nine before Floyd was killed, and then they went back and changed their standards for what constituted an unarmed black person so they could at least get the number up into double digits. (laughs) Uh, so I did an episode referencing that exact same number from the exact, from the, from the Washington post, just like you did. And when I did the episode, it was nine. And then after George Floyd got killed, they went back and they updated it and they do, they do all these things and they change the parameters of what they mean So they can kind of inflate that number. So it seems to fit the narrative more, but yeah, I agree. It's, it's a very low number considering the 350 million police interactions that happen with, you know, civilians every year. Yeah.
0: So there's over 800,000 law enforcement agents um, in the United States. And like you said, millions and millions of contacts with the public. So in the last two years, you've got 30. Now, according to them, 6,211 people total, all people, were shot and killed in 2018. Now, this comes from the FBI. By police? Yes. Now, 46% of those are white uh 2883 white folks uh 24% of the total was african american 1496 total right now um you yourself as an african american have you ever experienced what you felt was racism either by a police officer or just by anyone
1: i have yeah uh it's it's been a long time frankly um the last really racist encounter i had was in a foster home when i was like 12 years old so i mean i'm 33 it's pretty good um i i can tell you that i've been let off by police uh for speeding um i had a a taillight out i mean he could have you know could have let he could have nailed me to the wall with fines and a bunch of stuff i had to worry about later um he let me go um i've never experienced any racism from American institutions of any kind uh, from random people sure but I mean uh, also I think it's important to note that black people in our society um, are kind of trained to think that whenever something happens to them it's because they're black um, I was you know a liberal for the first 20 29 years of my life but that basically just meant I didn't pay attention to politics um I I didn't it's I feel like it's just kind of the default setting in our in our culture to just be a liberal like the news is liberal tvs are kind of liberal like movies and Hollywood everything just kind of leans left so if you don't really pay attention and you just go with the flow you kind of just lean left um and when that's the case you kind of you look for confirmation bias. You you know, you're taught that black people are oppressed and everything is is terrible and everything's against black people. So when something happens, you sort of insert it into that view and it's like, oh, well that fits. You know, I didn't get that job, must be because I'm black. Or, uh, you know, this girl didn't want to date me, must be because I'm black. Like people, victimhood is addictive and people are trained to be victims now people are trained to be activists now. They they don't want critical thinkers. They don't want intelligent people that dissect all the different variables and look at everything from different sides. They just want people who are victims and are angry and they want to smash the system because that's what helps that's what gives these these psych- psychopaths the right to attack police officers with bricks and and attack old ladies in the street and burn down buildings and and you know they're not They're protected by the news. They're protected by the system. Uh, It's not, the the real racists are out there in the streets burning and smashing. Like everything's all inverted. Uh, So sorry, I got kind of off topic of your question. I haven't experienced any real racism in a long time. And uh, I think, I mean, granted, I live in a blue state. So, I mean, a lot of people say, well, you live live in a, a liberal haven. But if you look at all these times where, you know, like, all these cities where these police officers are supposedly murdering Black people en masse, they're all blue. They've all got blue governors, blue mayors, blue chiefs of police. I mean, these are blue states, and and, and and liberals are sitting there rioting and looting, talking about how everything's racist. Like, then stop voting racist governors. I don't know what to tell you, people. Like, if you really believe that that's the problem, stop voting blue. But they don't make the connection. They don't have the critical thinking skills. They don't have the intelligence They're just bereft people.
0: Yeah. The best example of that is Chicago, uh, where (laughs) where every day, where every weekend, you know, 50 people are shot dead in the street and they do nothing about it. Zero.
1: Yep. And the thing that really that, that blows my mind about BLM specifically is I'm sure someone as intelligent as you has looked up these actual numbers and knows that the vast majority of violent crime or crime at all in this country is intra-racial, not interracial. 92 or 94% of all black people that are killed are killed by other black people. But they don't want you to know that. They don't talk about that. You never see them going and protesting black people for killing black people because that wouldn't look good in front of a camera. It's all just political theater. It's all kabuki theater. Uh, I don't know about how you feel about swearing on your podcast, so I'm trying to refrain, but it's, <laughs> it is, it's the worst. These people are so duplicitous. They're just duplicitous snakes. Now,
0: let's get to where this is really going. Okay. All right. Um, so all of this is dividing the country. Um, That's the goal. As you, and as you said, the police officers are under attack. So now you have an exodus of police all over the country. Uh, Seattle's lost 200 officers. Right. Uh, New York city had 7, 5,700 put in for retirement. That's a 75% increase from last the year before. Um, and we're only in April. Right. Okay. So they're not going to be able to, like I said, I did a show on this almost a year ago, um, where I was telling somebody about this and, uh, I said, you know, these people don't just grow on trees. I mean, do you know how hard it is to get through the screening and to be accepted and to get through all your training and to actually get on the job? I mean, do you know how, how few, I mean, they might, they might have a thousand people apply and only 30 make the cut. Okay. So this is like, you're not going to be able to replace these people. All right. Once they're gone, they're gone. Now I think that that is exactly what the federal government wants. I tend to, I tend to believe that they want to take over policing just like they want to take over everything else. Right. And, and institute a federal police force, which as you know, is the first step that, um, Nazi Germany took and um, Venezuela yeah, and a whole bunch of other places, Cuba and a whole bunch of other places that were communist. So, what are your thoughts about that and where do you think this is going?
1: I think god it's so obvious to to you know conservatives what's happening and liberals just can't see it. Like I don't know what they think is going to happen when you defund the police and then try to take everyone's guns away like wh- how do you see society working out in that scenario? You don't want people to be able to protect themselves, but you don't want them to have protectors either. Did you even think of an end game here? Um, and, you know, lately I've been hearing a lot about uh, this idea of a federal police force, uh, which is obviously the most terrifying thing I can imagine. Because um, it would just be the woke police, really, is what it would be. It wouldn't be, a you know, a neutral arbiter of the law. They're going to be enforcing woke ideology i mean they're going to be put in place by the 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 super blue government that bullied their way in uh I don't, don't even get me started on the election um i mean i think i think the federal government taking over policing on a local level would be God, I want to believe that that couldn't happen just because, I mean, at, at the moment anyway, there's not nearly enough federal officers for that to be the case. I don't think even if you, you know took like ICE and FBI and all that, but.
0: Well, well, they wouldn't have to. They would just take over um, the locals. They would just take them over or uh, they would just tell them they would just tell everybody exactly how it's going to be done. And this is the rules. This is how you have to do it. Um, So that would
1: require an amendment to the constitution, wouldn't it?
0: Well, I felt like Obamacare would have required an amendment to the constitution, but
1: but hey, but
0: hey, it's constitutional, right? According to the Supreme Court
1: and and shall not be infringed. And look at City where they're just yeah.
0: Shall not be infringed, but yet there's a whole bunch of anti-gun bills getting passed all the time. So I mean, the problem is, is that the constitution has largely been I guess
1: I'm just holding out a little bit of hope on that one.
0: Yeah, well, I I hope you're right with that hope. Um, I'm not that confident.
1: Ugh.
0: So uh, obviously it. the obviously the George Floyd incident really is what kind of propelled this whole thing back into motion. Uh, we just yeah. had we just had the verdict. Now even that incident, okay, I think that there was a lapse of judgment on the officer's part, but I see no evidence of racism in the incident. Um, If you watch the whole video, they had a pretty lengthy interaction with Mr. Floyd and yeah. And it was respectful the entire time. Um, Mr. Floyd refused to go in the car. Now they did put him in the car, but he begged to come back out and they took him out. Now this is where, yeah, this is now, this is where, This whole thing goes wrong. okay? because to me, as a former police officer, when you arrest somebody, you arrest them. You put the cuffs on, you put them in the car and you go to jail. And that's the way it should work. But they spent so much time talking to him. They they finally put him in the car. And and instead of then going to jail, they for some reason take him back out because He's asking to come out. So this is where it's all the whole thing was botched. The whole arrest was botched. Um, Now then he begs not to go in the car. He begs to go on the ground. So they put him on the ground. He's not resisting. So why Chauvin has his knee on his shoulder blade? I have no idea. I have no idea because he's not moving. He's not doing anything. And Right uh, you know, are they waiting for the ambulance? I mean, what are they doing out there on the side of the street now now, here's the other thing. The situation you know there was a crowd of people there uh they were getting aggressive, they were yelling at yeah. the cops and stuff like that. so this is yeah. not like they just had him in a secure environment and were dealing i mean they were kind of dealing with a large group of people uh right. so they had to be aware of that and and um so that's a tense situation for them but Again, I think this whole thing got botched, but I don't see any evidence of a racial animus anywhere in the whole incident. Do you? Uh,
1: no, I don't. <laughs> um, also, I don't know if you're aware of this, but Chauvin knew Floyd. They worked together at some nightclub. I forget I, the name of it, but they were I, they were familiar with each other.
0: Well, I read I read that, but I don't even I don't know what to believe. Now, I didn't. I didn't get that verified out of that source, so I'm not sure. But I did read that. Um,
1: Well, see, it was my understanding that so one of the state's witnesses when they were testifying, he he held up this matrix. And it's like, you know, if suspect is doing A, then B, or if A and B are happening, then C. And he was like, he, he essentially said, since George Floyd was actively resisting, Chauvin was within his rights to just flat out tase him as soon as he got there. He would have been legally protected from employing a taser against George Floyd because he was actively resisting arrest. However, it, again, this is just my understanding, Was since he knew George Floyd and since he wanted to de-escalate the situation, he did not employ the taser, which I think everybody can agree would have been a, an escalation, right? Um, and given the fact that George Floyd had a 90% blocked heart valve and enough fentanyl in a system to kill three people, I think a taser would have been over the top. Um, of course, Chauvin could have known that, but, you know. Uh, yeah, go ahead. You look like you want to say something.
0: Well, look, Chauvin, I mean, again, I feel like he bots the whole arrest. Um, you know, and, and I don't disagree with you at all. Um, you know, the coroner report is pretty clear. Uh, it sounds That's like also- Mr it sounds like Mr. Floyd had a lot of other problems that led to his demise medically. But, but again, I feel like Chauvin made a lot of bad judgment calls. He did not handle the situation appropriately. Now, did I think he intended to hurt Mr. Floyd? I don't, I don't think he did. Uh, Do I think it was racially motivated? I don't, I don't. So Yeah, I don't even see any evidence of that. And, and, you know, I mean, I could see maybe, I could see um, possibly a a manslaughter conviction for this. But... Really? Yeah, I could see that, you know, a misdemeanor manslaughter charge. um, It's basically like a DUI type of manslaughter, right? It's a misdemeanor. uh, It's, you know, it's reckless, recklessly, um, because... See, that's interesting. You know, I could... uh, I could see that, but for second degree murder, no way.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, that's interesting to hear you say that because I, I haven't, I mean, granted, I haven't talked to many police officers about it, but I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have thought that you would even gone that far for the, well, um, all I'm, all
0: I'm saying is I could see But are you, I mean, you,
1: are you clearly know better than I do. So all I'm right, saying is right. right. it's all within I'm, the realm of not crazy.
0: All I'm saying is I could see a jury coming back with that. Okay. Right. Um, it's possible that you could take it that way. I don't see any way that you could take a murder charge out of it. Like they gave him second degree murder. Yeah. They convicted well, I mean, him on all counts. I I don't see that.
1: I think, I think uh, conservatives fall into this trap a lot when they're talking about sort of official proceedings like this. And the trap is we're thinking about everything within the legal realm being what affected the outcome, when I think we all know the threat of the city burning down and these people having their homes and their families attacked by psychotic leftists, these jury members, I, I, that can't be understated. Like these people had to be escorted by uh, armed military personnel with MP5s past gates with barbed wire with a bunch of mobs of screaming psychopaths every day to and from the courthouse. And they had to walk by these screaming psychotic mobs of people knowing if I don't vote the right way, they're gonna burn my home down. They're gonna attack my family. They're gonna get me doxxed, fired from my job. They're going to deperson me. Like I, I would like to believe that everything that happened was completely within the, the legal realm of, of how our judicial proceedings are supposed to work. I can't honestly say that I believe that's what happened. I would like to believe that our justice system is absolutely incorruptible and it's above mob rule and all that. But we just we know that's not the case. If Shalvin was uh acquitted on all charges, there was a 0% chance of conservatives riding looting and burning. 0%, not going to happen. If Shalvin was uh If Chauvin, I'm sorry, if he he was acquitted, it it was going to be for sure the left that rioted. And if Chauvin was uh, convicted, it's not like they they faced any threat from the right. It was, they're only incentivized to vote one way. Um, I don't know if you saw this, but one of the jurors actually came out and said she felt threatened. She did an interview, I think with Fox News, if I'm remembering properly, and said that she didn't feel safe. She said she felt threatened by the mob. I mean, I don't know how... It seems to me that with all of this extenuating circumstances, there's no way that Chauvin won't win on appeal. But then again, why wouldn't the same thing happen again on the appeal? Why wouldn't it also be massive public news, the the leftist mob burning everything down, essentially with a gun to the court's head? I mean, I don't know. I would like to believe that our system can handle this, but I don't know that it can.
0: I don't think it can. I think the fix was in. And um, I don't think and and his lawyers were not very good. I didn't see anything that impressed me at all. Um, I would have made yeah. I would have made a couple arguments that they didn't make. And I mean, if I if I if I can see a strategy and they didn't use it, um, I I, ha- I have serious doubts. Um, the other thing is, is that they should have had a change of venue um, that that trial should have never been in Minneapolis. Oh, yeah,
1: for sure. I don't know yeah.
0: how. There's no way he gets a fair trial. There's nowhere on earth.
1: There's nowhere on earth. He could have went where they wouldn't know who he was. You know what I mean? There's literally not a country on the planet where you could probably not find somebody. They should have moved it
0: up to, they should have moved it up to Northern Minnesota on the border somewhere in some small County. I mean, they should have got that thing out of town because there was no way.
1: But I mean, also I thought that the um, on cross-examination, the state's witnesses all pretty much came out and said that they agreed with the defense. Like their use of force expert flat out said, it's like, actually, I've kept people restrained until medical arrived as well, because you don't know what's going to happen. Like you don't. Uh, he, he said, George Floyd could have tased him, chose not to, ergo de escalation. As far as I'm concerned, right there, uh, anything malicious is off the table. Because if he wanted to kill someone or he, he intended to do harm, he could have just shot him with the taser and stood there and just juicing him. And he would have been perfectly within his legal right to do so. He chose to deescalate right there. Any type of malice is off the table, in my opinion. But I mean... Yeah. I mean, and I then, mean, these, like, the, like I said, the 90% blocked heart valve. They found a half-chewed speedball in the cruiser where George Floyd was sitting. I mean... There's just no, it just doesn't make any sense. I think this, this, is a, this bodes not well for police officers across the country. I think we're going to see a lot more sort of deference from the police. They know that the, the state isn't going to have their back. The state will throw them under the bus and go, ha, look at that bad guy. We got that bad one. Don't you worry. When they're trained to do this, correct me if I'm wrong, the position that he had George Floyd in is known as the recovery position because he was hyperventilating. I believe it's called what is excited delirium something people experience when they're high on drugs and they have an interaction with the cops and their heart just gets absolutely through the roof. Um, It's
0: it's simply, it's simply the optics of him having his knee on him. That's, that's all, that's all it was. Okay. Um,
1: There's a white, there's a white man with his knee on the neck of a black man. And that was all anyone had to know. Nothing else could have mattered.
0: Exactly. And it was nine minutes and, um, you know, he's you can hear him begging that he can't breathe and OK, all yeah. these things. Yeah, it's the
1: optics of it. Um, of course, they ignore the fact that he was saying, I can't breathe when he was in the store yep. and sitting in the squad car. Yep. None of that yep. matters, though.
0: Yeah. But, you know, he's in the he's in the police custody. Now they're responsible for him once they take custody of him. So, like, Touché. you know what Touché. I mean? So, like, again, I think the whole thing was botched. They should have had him in the car, took him to jail and been over with. Um, but they kept Mickey mousing around with him on the side of the road. I, I don't get it. I just don't understand. And and if they call for an ambulance, one of the um... and if they call for an ambulance, where is the ambulance? It takes the right. ambulance nine minutes.
1: Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh... You know, it's interesting to hear a, a former police officer break this all down because um, obviously I don't have any law enforcement experience. But um, yeah, to me it seems like the facts didn't matter. People only saw the part of the video that confirmed what they thought. Um, people didn't care to look. It, it's what we see in our culture generally. They people take the narrative, and that's all they need to know. And they move on. It's easier than having to do your own research, look into things. If you actually read the the medical examiner's report, I believe he died of hypoxemia. And if he had died of someone crushing his windpipe, he would have died of, you know, a crushed windpipe and suffocation, which isn't how he died. He died of what you die from when you have a fentanyl overdose.
0: Yeah, I actually read uh, heart failure due to overdose is what I read.
1: Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah, there were there was two medical reports. There yep. was the one by the family's medical examiner, and then there was one from, I believe, a more official. So I guess, yeah, it's possible we have different information. But he, either way, he didn't die from being suffocated. He didn't right. die from having his windpipe crushed right. by someone kneeling no, on it. Exactly. That's simply not what happened.
0: Exactly. And that's, that's what I say. It's just the optics. Um, so it looks bad. It does. Uh, if, you know, and I admit that it looks if, bad. Can
1: I, can I ask, um, how, how, how long has it been since you've been an active police officer? 10 years. Is there any scenario in which you would consider being a police officer again? No way. What's happening in our country? No way. Right. Finished. Right. I mean, who honestly, and I, I'm not trying to be disrespectful or rude to anyone. I mean, literally I mean, who in their right mind is trying to be a cop right now? If I was, I can't if, even imagine if, the if kind I was of, on
0: the job today, uh, I'm one of the 5,700 just turned in my papers.
1: Right. Done. But in, you know, what does that say about the caliber of people that are now going to be applying to be police officers though? You know what I
0: mean? going like, to be going to be terrible. So they're going to have to lower the standards so they can actually get right. people into those jobs. That's um, right. and I think, Okay, if Biden gets his way, they want to pass a police accountability act to put more restrictions on police across the country. And if he gets his way, I bet you anything, you're going to see racial equity in that. Okay. They're going to have, it's going to be like affirmative action for police officers. All right. I guarantee it.
1: Yeah. The thing, it blows my mind because if you are for equity, by definition, you are against the quality. Correct. That's right. You simply cannot have both. If, <laughs> you simply and, cannot and have you, both.
0: And you hit the nail on the head earlier. It should be insulting, really, to any African-American that you can't accomplish anything without the federal government's help. I, I, would, I would be insulted. Yeah.
1: They're just too stupid and lazy and poor and incapable of doing anything without the help of liberals. That's that's what these people believe. Uh, they, the infantilization of the black community is one of the pillars of leftism, at least in America, American leftism. Um, and you know, in my opinion, it's gotten to a point where not that white—I don't think white people care to oppress black people. I really don't. But even if they wanted to, they don't have to do it anymore because black people do it for them. I've personally gotten beaten up for reading books. I mean, this isn't a thing that Asian children have to deal with. You know, their culture rewards reading books, working hard, and doing your due diligence, getting a good job, getting into a good school, getting a good education. Um, in 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 ghetto black communities, what is valued is criminality, sex, drugs, things that are empirically antithetical to living a meaningful, long healthy life. Uh, And and this is what this is what the white liberals want from black people. They want a community of victims that will always vote blue. Because I mean, if you look at the rates of unemployment in the black community, before and after LBJ passed the New Deal, Uh it's very clear what happened. I mean, he incentivized fatherless homes. Yep, he incentivized broken homes. And conservatives everywhere know the stats of children without they grow up without fathers they're like what is it 19 times more likely to commit suicide yeah. 15 times more likely to go to jail it's unfathomable but uh, blacks actually blacks had a higher sorry a lower rate of unemployment than whites did before the new deal so after the new deal it that unemployment rate skyrockets criminality skyrockets drug use skyrockets and this is that was the deal. That it turns out that was the New Deal. Uh, we get a bunch of black voters to vote Democrat for the next several generations, <laughs> and you get food stamps. So yeah. that's that. That's the trade-off. Yeah, I don't think that's, that's a fair trade-off and sickening to me. But yeah, neither do I. And I get called every racist name you can think of for actually standing up for the black community, for actually being a voice for things that will benefit black people, like. Reading and educating yourself, school choice, having actual values, hard work, these you know, hard work and uh punctuality and planning for the future. Did you know those were white supremacist traits? <laughs> According to the Black Lives Matter website. It, wow. It's not on the website anymore because they took it down. Yeah, but there was there was a few months where on their website it was working hard, planning for the future. These are all white supremacist things because they genuinely believe that white people are just better. I mean, uh, so I'm not trying to harp on this this topic, but I mean, if you really just take a step back and look at what liberals are trying to do and the behavior they're rewarding, you, I, I just don't know what other conclusion you can draw. They aren't just trying to help. We're so far past that. Um, I, I agree. Sorry, I got a little ranty right there.
0: That's all right. I agree. <laughs> I totally agree with you. Um, all right. One last one final jab for the uh, liberals. OK, before you go, Eric, all right. um, who I'm sure you know this and I'm going to have you say it so that they can't call me a racist <laughs> under, under under what president was the median household African-American income the highest?
1: Oh, man, I'm going to guess Trump, but I actually don't know for sure. It is Donald Trump. Is it Trump. Yeah. 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 Way up under
0: Donald Trump. Way up.
1: Yeah, I know under Barack Obama, uh, the average black American lost a third of their net worth. Actually, a nice little factoid.
0: Eric, the Free Minds podcast on Spotify. Thanks for coming on and spending some time with me. We'll talk to
1: you soon. Thanks, bud. I really appreciate it.
0: Thanks for listening to Don't Tread on Liberty with Jason Davis. Subscribe on Google Play, iTunes, or your favorite platform. For more Liberty news, check out www.donttreadonliberty.com and subscribe to the blog or join the conversation.